You're listening to Dole Capital. On this episode of Dole Capital, you're with Ben for our occasional segment of Benno's Brief. I'll be talking to you about what's on my mind, and hopefully it will either be entertaining, interesting, or even motivating for all you lovely cage rattlers out there. On today's show, fight, don't fret. Got the post-budget blues, lapsed into 90s labour and liberal, just the same security blanket. Found yourself despondent at the fanboys and girls of the ALP Parliamentary Labour Party, especially when you're a Labour Party member. Well, this is the episode for you to give your little leg up. But first, Patreon. This show would not be possible without our patrons and supporters. You can show your solidarity at www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Please like, share and subscribe to our show, Doll Capital, and leave a review on your preferred podcast application. We're also now on Spotify, so check us out. Thank you to our supporters who have helped us with our broadcast hosting fees and equipment. Your help, your support helps motivate and resource us to make more content. And we'll have more of that coming up next week with a special guest. But before we get going, we're recording on Ngunnawal land and pay our respects to their elders past, present and future, whose sovereignty was never ceded and who we expressed our solidarity with struggles to end continuing injustices for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Well, it's post-budget blues time. Some people were surprised, but I guess we weren't. What I guess was more surprising was it's not quite as bad as I thought it'd be. So the Federal Parliamentary Labor Party, or the PLP as we'll call it, has just laid down its budget for the next financial year. We're leaving the budget analysis to a range of much better resources, but our shorthand is it's a considerable improvement on how things have been going way back to the Prime Minister Rudd and Gillard years. But it goes nowhere near enough to address the cost of living crisis, wealth inequality, and the current and real threats to our existence from climate change. The good is ending and restoring funding to, uh, restoring uh, literally billions of dollars to Medicare, which will enable millions to see a doctor without paying a fee gap. Uh, which is a significant and quite an expensive exercise to do undertake by the Parliamentary Labor Party. But it also is something that absolutely needed to do for Australia to continue to say that it has a universal healthcare system. We've also seen a significant abandoning of the so-called mutual obligation activities for single parents uh, receiving welfare payments. Uh, these, Most of these single parents, are mostly women, um, were obligated to carry out rather ridiculous um, obligation activity, something that was a a real pet of uh, neoliberals in the 90s and and ongoing. It's almost seen as a a sacred cow for some that somehow making the lives uh, miserable for people already doing it tough is a good thing. So uh, a big tick there for supporting single parents by getting rid of those mutual, sorry, mutual obligation. What a joke. But anyway, people participate in society and and that's the way it is. And we've also seen funding to raise the shockingly low levels of wages for tens of thousands of workers, again, mostly women, in the market-run aged care 
facilities that our country fails to provide for our most vulnerable people. So those wages went up by 15% is what's been budgeted for and I'll set a standard there and we'll assist with, and, and in a real practical way, with raising the, um, I guess, the respect as well as the uh, well-being for workers in the care sector and hopefully maybe make it more of an attractive job for people to go and participate in, but that alone won't be enough. The money is never enough in, in aged care, as people know. I'd have a uh, I'd suggest having a read of the analysis from the Australian, Australian Institute, Greg Jericho from the Centre for Future Work and the New Daily website for plenty of left to centre takes on the budget, and I'm sure plenty of you have already done that, but hey, it's the end of May and I'm just catching up with you now. I also think Senator David Pocock's uh, put some quite well uh, positions and uh, takes on what's, you know, disappointing with the Albanese-led Parliamentary Labor Party's budget for 2023, and it's well worth a look. What's clear is that there is considerable number of our active political, mainly younger people, from my observations, that haven't bought Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers or our Paul Keating cosplayer, uh, that all is good now, bro. Much of the anger is centred around the actual dire state of low-income earners and income-supported people, like plans to increase rent assistance for unemployed and students on JobSeeker just going straight into the pockets of private landlords. Uh, no, and while there's no serious government-led building program for social housing, rather a market investment scheme. Hooray. Um, and sadly, we've seen that the results of the uh, inability of the federal party to negotiate a better deal with the crossbenchers uh, with a very much a take it or leave it, leave it sort of attitude. Um, very silly, not required and really didn't need to happen. Meanwhile, we have the huge problems in our uh, the way in which we operate shelter in Australia. The other thing that people have got rather angry about is um, we've also seen while we've got welcome uh, support for electricity subsidies going straight, we're going to see subsidies going straight to insane privatised monopolies. Unless you're in the ACT where our electricity is at least majority owned by the government. Uh, we've also seen zero moves to end student debt and return free education to the university and TAFE sector. I've got to clarify that though. There are moves for up to 30,000 odd free spots in TAFE. That's good. But the question really is, why isn't it just free anyway? It's an absolute joke that we have um, so-called user pay education. The real users are the employers. They benefit from our labour. They should be playing for the training, not the workers that go off to go and be exploited by them, uh, particularly in, in all sorts of industries at um, barely livable wages. The other point that's got a, quite a few people in, incensed has been, uh, despite and a lot of pressure by all sorts of different advocates, to see the job seeker payment for uh, people who are unemployed and um, students to increase um, what we've got is an increase of twenty dollars a week to job seeker that does bugger all to get people um, to the Henderson poverty line. So if you're interested in what the poverty line, the Henderson poverty line is, and it's what a lot of advocates for low income people have been talking about, the Australian Council the Council of Social Services in twenty two they describe it as as there being 3.3 million people, or 13.4% living below the poverty line, of 50% of median income, including 761,000 children, 
That's 16.6% of children in Australia in 2022. And dollar figures, the poverty line works out to be $489 a week for a single adult and $1,027 a week for a couple with two children. So the increases that the federal government have announced for JobSeeker um, goes, well, nowhere near to deal with those problems of getting uh, close to the Henderson poverty line. Uh, which is what a lot of people people have been campaigning for. The other rage-inducing aspect to the federal budget is the continually unblinking neoliberal support for the last Tory government's stage three tax cuts. These tax cuts would have given uh, literally, um, they, well, the, the tax cuts that are proposed with stage three will literally give thousands of dollars to well-off and uh, very rich people put straight into their property investments. It's really going to go nowhere in terms of stimulating growth in the economy because we all know that people with money um, put their money back into their wealth, i.e. houses, for example. At the same time as um, sticking to this uh, commitment of the last uh, Tory government, uh, the PLP's result of backing this policy will see lower paid and medium income people see their tax share increase, grow as a proportion uh, due to bracket creep, according to some analysts out there. We've also seen what I can have to also mention is the the craziness that is the three hundred and sixty eight billion dollars over a decade to be spent on nuclear submarines. Something which I think the former Prime Minister Paul Keating and I are on lockstep with. It's good to see he's on the same side um, for once. Never thought I'd find myself um, him agreeing with me on anything. But anyway, there you go. Good on you, Paul. Uh, what we're going to see there with that commitment to these submarines as part of the bizarre. Um, not just bizarre, um, handing over Australia's sovereignty to the US and the UK in our backyard, uh, will be a commitment to build nuclear submarines with all sorts of not set deadlines and the like, spending billions upon billions of dollars and breaking long-held anti-nuclear practices in Australia, including bullshitting us about jobs, the number of jobs that will be created in Australia, the safety of our environment as a result of bringing in and using nuclear energy in our shores, let alone really getting the goat on our regional neighbours and our biggest trading partner, that is China, by going along with Yank and English imperialist angst. You can check more out on this. I highly recommend an entertaining read from Michael Pascoe in the New Daily, who um, is coining the term the Albanese ALP or AALP. Um, check that one out. So there's a lot of anger out there. I totally get the anger that is going on, mainly with a lot of younger um, people. And I'm not younger. I'm, I'm talking about it. Literally anyone is younger than 55. There's a huge proportion of people uh, who think of themselves as progressive, um, who are very disappointed with what they, I guess, kind of thought that there'd be more. There was quite a bit of pressure piled on the Federal Labor Party to do more this budget, particularly with the cost of living crisis. Absolutely understand where people are coming from, whether they're I'd um, what I'd say to socialists in the Labor Party or members in the Labor Party and all the or socialists that are in the Greens or in other board left currents is that the anger needs to be harnessed and targeted at the parliamentary Labor Party to see more done. Um, there's no question that the Albanese government went into the last election with a very small target centrist position, but uh, quite rightly. Um, politics is not around about waiting around for those people to actually lead us. It's about pushing them to actually take a risk to actually benefit all. So, what I'd say is that generalist socialists, we always knew that we had that we and uh, many would be disappointed 
with the PLP's conservatism, their lack of urgency and any semblance of a plan to address wealth inequality, the evils of privatisation and fast action on climate change. We all sort of knew that was not going to be good enough, but you have to continue the push. Rather than being, rather than us all uh, getting into the I told you so sort of uh, circle or embracing the cynical and effectual straitjacket of the 90s of Labor and Liberal are all the same, uh, which is sadly something that some people seem to, you know, lapse themselves into. It's paramount that activists across various social forces in unions, in NGOs, in campaign groups, uh, in the Greens, and especially inside the Labor Party, call out what is missing from the agenda from the federal parliamentary party and organise and pressure the parliamentary Labor Party. Pressure from a range of actors in the lead up to the federal budget, saw 17 Labor MPs and Senators sign an open letter from the Australian Council of Social Services uh, in support of making real improvements to the poverty in Australia. So a lot of kudos there to Alicia Payne, uh, MP for Canberra, one of four of the Australian Capital Territory's representatives in federal parliament, who publicly backed um, that call. We're not exactly crazy fans of Alicia, but credit where credit's due, as far as I'm concerned. Um, she actually supported the ACT Labor platform publicly, which, you know, basically by supporting that ACOS, ACOS activity. Um, meanwhile, we had our also very important ministers, uh, ACT Senator Katie Gallagher and Dr. Andrew Lee, continue their long-standing practice of showing solidarity with their special club for jerks in the front benches over what completely over what ACT Labor members demanded they support at their annual conference. So just for the lay people out there, Labor branches have a conference and at their conference, members get to vote on a platform. The people that vote on that platform include elected representatives, includes delegations from affiliated unions, and it includes the rank and file members of the Labor Party organised in sub-branches. We get to vote on a platform, and that platform is meant to be what we expect our representatives to go and pursue. Now, whether or not they pursued those uh, platform priorities around unemployment and welfare and getting rid of mutual obligation and a whole range of things internally, we, we know that probably some of that did happen. But in terms of publicly, no, no, we didn't have that. And that's just a continuation of what we see with this attitude amongst uh, elected federal representatives that somehow, uh, because they're very important, they can't actually go and rock the boat and actually come out and publicly support what members are demanding and what they were expected that they would participate in by participating at these conferences. Maybe Senator Gallagher and Andrew Lee, um, MP, should maybe not turn up to ACT Labor Corp, um, conferences anymore if they're not going to actually participate and publicly show their support for the democratic decisions of members. But anyway, not impressed and you shouldn't be. But I guess this then flips sides, flips back to the, the point I wanted to say, which is that pressure does work and taking up concrete solutions to problems and making demands on politicians and in workplaces work. So in terms of the pressure being piled on the PLP to do more in the budget, and there was obviously some things there that I don't think they considered that they would support, which they did. And we also know that with the disappointment, we should harness it and target it and really apply more. So in the Labor Party context, it is a side of struggle. And in the ACT, we've got some um, it's AGM time has been going on. Uh, people are electing delegates to conference and getting motions in and uh, proposing changes to the platform, which I mentioned before, which you used to go and campaign 
And, um, you know, that's that what you're going to do if you get representatives up to go and pursue to actually change policies, to change laws, to make things better. Yeah. So right now is one of those opportunities to remind uh, in the ACT those three Labor reps that did not sign the ACOS letter. I'm not even going to bother mentioning the one that we got out in Tuggerong. Just talk to his brother in the SDA in New South Wales, I guess. You'll find out. You'll know what he's all about. Anyway, they did not support ACT Labor members platform publicly in any way. Disappointing. So we're going to put pressure on. One of those things is to actually get going with applying that. So what we had, the branch platform last conference in the ACT had that um, we expected, basically expected the public support positions of branch members, not just in private. So uh, there was a very large AGM for Black Mountain Subbranch, which is like the largest subbranch in the ACT about two weeks ago, which I attended and supported um, moves by that subbranch with a policy motion, which amongst a whole range of things, asked the Prime Minister to not leave the most vulnerable people behind and to lift over 3 million people, including 761,000 children out of poverty by bringing job seeker, youth allowance and related income support payments above the Henderson poverty line in its first term. So there was lots of things around that, uh, including um, consistent recommendations of the government, meeting the consistent recommendations of the government's Interim Economic Inclusion and Advisory Committee. Something which people laughed at because they thought it was terrible, but I do, actually, I've I think it wasn't a bad thing in terms of the committee that was um, a demand of and, uh, David Pocock, the independent senator. It does has done what it said. I think he thought it would. It supplied pressure. It actually put in casting a microscope to the fact that how pathetic income support is for people who aren't included, who in, in, excluded in many ways from participating in our society. So that was part the gist of pretty much what the motion was there so that they, they overwhelmingly supported and um, we'll see how that plays out the upcoming conference then basically there's an exhaustive thing going reiterating act member support for the increasing to the henderson poverty line for for the party's platform i definitely encourage labor members to do the same in their sub branches around whether in um, victoria maybe you can find out whether or not you get to vote anymore or not or you're still under federal administration you know, itself is a different topic and conversation we're going to dig into a little bit more in upcoming episodes. The other practical way that we can use organising around passing motions and getting research done and talking to people to support and having those discussions is to apply pressure um, to change and build a transformative agenda. Now, part of that has been, uh, I know in the ACT, where a bunch of us have been involved in advocating for the four-day work week and we'll talk more about the progress in the act of this initiative in coming episodes of dole capital but i just wanted to say it'd be awesome yeah it has been awesome to work with a bunch of rank and file socialists in the act along with the encouragement of from comrades around the world and in, in the act assembly uh, across all sorts of various um, areas to get the point get to the point where the ACT Labor Branch Conference will have a vote on making a four-day work week part of its platform for government so that's really good news and lots of kudos and nods to all the people involved in that and we'll talk more about that on this show activism in the ALP is obviously just one part of struggle it is a site of struggle it's an important site of struggle we'd argue because the alp uh, often still currently forms governments uh, so if you're in the left it does matter what happens in the labor in the labor party and it, it is important to try to influence that in um, whatever way you can whether you're inside it or outside it but we're also seeing plenty of pressure going on and absolutely encourage and support the pressure that's been applied 
outside of labor. So there's been heaps of social media pressure. Uh, there's been protests. There's been all sorts of lobbying going on to um, protest the Albanese PLP's government uh, over a range of social justice issues. The Australian you know, Unemployed Workers Union held a you know pretty successful media sort of little rally, hundred odd people at Albanese's office in his electorate office uh, some weeks ago, which is a great example of in the flesh activism that can have an impact and apply pressure and get people talking about the disgrace, which is is how one of the richest countries on the planet treats its poor and vulnerable. Support of other groups and actions, and you know. Build links, is what I'd argue, and keep it targeted and to the point and build solidarity, not just special club clubs for special people. So get out there and campaign. It's one of the things that we had to do in the 90s, and the most successful campaigns were those that were very clear about what the demands were and very clear about working and wanting to work with other people to meet those demands. I've had the privilege to work on the campaign to raise pay for aged care workers in recent years and its success in the recent budget with a huge lots and lots of money thrown in to the aged care sectors is a credit to the Nurses Federation and various health service union members who've worked with each other over some years now along with other NGOs and some employees to get significant wage increase in what is going to be and continue to be an incredibly important part of our economy. So that was a campaign that was build, built using by combining uh, building power in the workplace with people joining the unions and connecting that campaign with uh, local communities over the injustice in terms of the quality of care as well as how can you have quality care if you don't pay your workers and look after your workers' rights at all. So all those things were put together and done quite very well, I think, in that, in that particular sector. And it's something that people can learn from and should get behind. So I guess to reiterate there, be clear about your demands, be open to working with other people and be patient about it. And I think in terms of the last bit, there's a lot of negativity around, particularly the, the Twitter sphere and all the rest of it. The key thing is to call out bad behavior and try to work with others and encourage others that are doing things. They might not share all your politics, but if they share uh, commonality on the issues you care about, and let's face it, the cross the living crisis right now, the woeful state in which we treat our poor and vulnerable the care of our vulnerable uh, is not good enough and it needs to get better. Meanwhile, the big end of town is absolutely having a disco at the moment. We have not no serious um, stoppages being placed upon them. And let's see that change. So uh, if you're in, in labour, get going with those motions. Get going with those um, campaign activities. There's a, a labour against war which is campaigning against AUKUS, amongst other things, that you can get involved with. And there are also lots of sub-branches around the country that are making, taking action around uh, the woeful response to looking after people on JobSeeker, as well as um, what's been going on uh, with, I guess, more of a transformative agenda for a four-day work week. So those are the examples there. So don't just threaten, fight, and that's it. So fight, get on with it. We'll be back again. Next week is the plan with a special guest. So that's it for the episode. You have, we've been with Ben for Benno's Brief. Hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll be speaking to you soon. Keep an eye out for updates on our Twitter and Facebook accounts at Dole Capital. That's D-O-H-K-P-A-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Or you can subscribe to this podcast and become a patron. You can check out our Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. We are also very active, as I mentioned, on um, Twitter, 
a lot. Um, but you can also, also get on to us and touch base with us on Facebook at dollcapital.com or at dollcapital uh, at gmail.com. Thank you, dear listeners and comrades, and especially to our uh, wonderful comrades that keep this show ticking over.